You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Hey, Tim, what are we talking about this week? We've got three weeks to catch up on this Mobile World Congress. There's the iPad 3. We've got loads of tech news to discuss. Are we going to do it all? No, we're going to talk about Concord and Spitfires. What? It's time for TechFan66, my friend David Cohen. <laughs> we meet the last. <laughs> Man, it's been three shows since we've done a podcast together. I know. What's happened? Uh, I, was, I was starting to think we deserted each other. It felt like it kind of, didn't it? It was, uh, you know, a confluence of events. Put it that way. And next week is going to be a problem for me as well. Oh man, man! Next next week's the good week. I know, I know. But so what's what's happening next week? Where are you? Next week, uh, there's a Michigan and Technologies conference in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and uh, Mac Specialist is going to have a booth there. All right. So I will be there. So why don't you just fire up the iPhone from the booth? And- We'll do the show live from the show floor. That might be a possibility. I don't know what the uh, you know connection and all that is going to be like, yeah. but yeah, if I remember, I will bring a good microphone, a pair of headphones, and we can do the show that way. Just have you cool. record it. Yeah, yeah, I can do that. There's a. Is it Tuesday the big event or is it Wednesday? Wednesday, I think. Yeah, Wednesday, big event. Obviously. Uh, no big surprise, and uh, Apple is going to supposedly announce the iPad 3, and some people are speculating that it's going to be immediately available. I don't know. Um, who knows? Who knows? Well, I, don't, I, don't th- I don't think it will be – I don't think it will be long afterwards. It might, might take them a few days to get products to stores and kind of ramp up. I mean, we all know it's going to be crazy. Oh, yeah. So um, they may want to just have a little bit of prep time um, – because if they if they start showing it to their employees before the event, then it will leak, and they don't want that. So they're you know the the speculation is Retina display, um, whatever that means. Well, Retina display. Obviously, if you go by the nomenclature that Apple's created surrounding Retina display, because they kind of invented the whole that word uh, for the iPhone four when it came out. Remember, when the iPhone 3GS was out, no one was complaining about how crappy the screen was. But then, <laughs> no. you know, Apple came out with this retina display on yeah. the iPhone 4, and everybody went, wow, this really does look better. Uh, you know, it's funny. I was scrolling this morning um, through my, uh, you know, the, the little taskbar that you get at the bottom when you double-click. On to what? Get on, on, the, my I, on my iPhone 4. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and... Um, yeah, because every morning I go through a little ritual of updating my podcast on my uh, iPhone podcatcher and uh, get get myself ready for my commute. And and it, it just kind of struck me just then how clear those, those things are. I mean, they really are. It's like you say, there was nobody complaining about the quality of the 3GS screen. And then the, the 4 screen came out and it was like, well, even even without a side-by-side comparison, you can just look at it and see how much... Better it isn't anything else in the market. Yeah, it was. So I, I guess I guess if we get a Retina display on on a on an iPad three, you'll be looking for that same effect. It won't matter quite what the you know the actual number of pixels is, or the dot pitch, or the density, or anything like that. Yeah. I know I know people have been kind of measuring. Yeah, and I don't care. I don't. It, <laughs> so yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it looks is, twice as good. That's all I care will, about. Yeah, exactly. It will look incredibly bright and sharp. There, and, there's uh, an old thing out there that humans cannot perceive anything better under 20%. In other words, um, if you have a car and it goes over 20% faster than your previous car, you will notice it. If you buy a computer and it's like 12 or 15% faster than your last computer, you won't notice the difference. If it's over 20% faster, you will notice the difference. And I'm going to use that same thing for displays. If it's you know what? I'm going to say it's even higher on a display. 
if it's twice as good, you will notice the difference. If it's not quite twice as good, yeah, you probably won't notice that big of a difference, I don't think. Yeah. But that's just, you know, the Tim rule of thumb there. Uh, <laughs> scientifically that's, just, that's good enough for me. Let's stay, yeah. I'll, I'll take your rules of thumb over other people's calculations any day. That's right. Screw screw uh, Moore's Law. It's it's the Tim rule of thumb. So that would be the what? The TRT? TRT factor? TRT. Let's, uh, let's um, patent that right away. That's right. <laughs> Everyone start using that. Is this any good? Well, using the TRT method. What's that? The Tim rule yeah. of thumb. No, I, I think I think you would have to say it's a methodology. Methodology. Than, uh, I would agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'll be honest. I'm going to buy an iPad three. Uh, I am. I'm already planning. I ca- I have no money at the moment. Neither do I. I'm planning, <laughs> planning planning my purchase. Start counting um, my quarters yeah. and nickels and pennies. Well, this is it. I, I'm going to start putting some money away and uh, maybe cash in a few birthday gifts against it. And uh, hopefully, at some point later this year, I'll get a chance to be uh, be out in the states, which will save me a bit of money as well. And I will probably pick one up then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. You don't with something like this. There's, there are the people who will be lined up outside the store on day one from three in the morning. That won't be me. Yeah. You don't want to be that person, no. really, because any uh, production flaws that come out of the things you will hit you in the first few weeks. Yeah, but uh, Apple's will. I mean, let's oh be no, they, they they make it right. But yeah. the point is, you don't you don't want to you know drop coin on on the latest and greatest and then find you've got to take it back to the store for any reason. Uh, and you you know most of us just don't want to be in that kind of that bun fight for the for the early things. If you do want one early. Um, I'd, what I'd say is be ready to hit the online Apple store as soon as the uh, presentation finishes next Wednesday. That's by far the most sensible way of doing it. And you'll get a, a nice and harried, tired-looking UPS guy dropping it off to you on the day. That's right. I, you know, I've i got to be honest. If I have the opportunity to buy one on day one, I probably would. I don't, I'm, yeah. I'm excited about the iPad 3. I don't expect much of a difference in the form factor. Um, I think they got it right right out of the gate. I, well, it, well, the thing is, the two, a lot of people have said the two is is a little bit too thin, so yeah. they're wondering. I mean, I actually prefer the, the kind of the heft of the uh, of the first iPad, which is what I still have. Well, that's all I have. I, yeah, yeah. Um, but I keep it in in that original fold over case thing. Yeah, you know the original Apple case. That's what I use. I I've tried a thousand different you know third party cases for my first iPad. I came back to the the Apple case. I just think it was the yeah. best. It was thin. It was easy. It just worked. The price was right. Yeah, I was happy with it. The only thing that that bothers me about any changes in design is whether it invalidates my existing peripherals. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? and I don't. I don't think Apple really wants to mess with that ecosystem too much. I would hope not. Yeah, but I'm looking forward to it. If the screen is a Retina display, that will be awesome. Um, if it has a better camera, that would be great. Even though I still can't picture myself taking pictures with it, at least n- nothing that's you know, hey, everyone you know, line up and take a picture. I was going to say, I think my my wife has an iPad too, um, and I don't think she's ever used the camera on the back of it. I wouldn't she's be surprised. The, she's used the front facing camera for um, FaceTime and stuff. Yeah, for FaceTime and stuff. But I don't think she's. In fact, I think the case she has in it doesn't even have a hole for the camera. Yeah. So I, yeah, I can't. I, I just can't imagine. Maybe if I'm, you know, eating something and I want to show my wife this thing that I'm eating and I happen to be holding the iPad, then fine. But, nah, it's just, it's, I don't know. I think the camera's a little bit more gimmicky than anything else. Yeah. Uh, Big changes for uh, Mac Specialist, the company I work for. So what's going on? Well, one of the things that um, I always didn't like about this job was that we have two locations, one downtown Chicago and one in Villa Park, Illinois. And while they're only like, you know, 15, 20 miles apart, because the one in Chicago takes a long time to get to because of traffic. And it's very hard to manage two different stores. It start, you start kind of creating two different cultures. And, uh, I always wanted to have one store and the Chicago store is more of a, Oh, boutique store. There's not a, a ton of room for uh, a showroom, you know. Right. So it's not like an Apple store. 
and the Villa Park store has even less of a showroom. Uh, it's, it's, it's barely a retail location. And I think that we would do very well in retail in the right location. So we found our location now and we're looking at property. I think we found our building and hopefully, you know, within the next six months, we're going to consolidate both of our businesses into one. And we think that this is going to be a huge deal for us. We're basically going to be opening an Apple store. We're going to have a, a big retail presence. I'm going to be looking to hire Oh, probably at least 10, 10 retail associates. And uh, it should be fun. Uh, but speaking of Mac Specialist, I am actually, David, looking to hire some people right now. So uh-huh. if you live in the Chicagoland area and you're listening to this right now and you're not happy with your current job or you're looking for a job and you happen to be, hey, I'm a Mac guy. This could be a good opportunity for someone, David. I'm looking for a store manager, a retail person, and I've got one other position coming up that I can't really talk about yet, right yet, for for uh-huh. obvious reasons. Yeah. I'll let yeah. you read between the lines there. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking for some people uh, in the cool. Chicagoland area. So if you're listening to this and you're looking for a job with benefits... Contact me, Tim at MacSpecialist.com or Tim at MyMac.com. Either one works. And uh, let's talk because I've got the, you know, when you put a, a, an ad up there on Craigslist, David. Now, do they yeah. have Craigslist? It big, is we, that big we, in the UK? We do, but it's it's not, it's nowhere near as big here that is, as it is in the U.S. Yeah, it's huge so, in um, the U.S. Yeah. I'll give you an example of something. See, I, I knew Craigslist was popular and I knew it worked. But I didn't really know the extent to which it worked. And I'm going to say this was three years ago, maybe four. Um, We had a hot tub, my wife and I, and it was on our back deck. And we've got a really big, nice back deck. Um, Technically, it's an awning because when we first moved into this house, we had this big aluminum awning that came off our house in the back. We covered this huge cement slab that's as wide as our house and maybe eight eight, nine feet deep. Right. And uh, the second major snowstorm we had just crushed it. (laughs) Right. So so the insurance covered it, and a company came out to, you know, to give us an estimate and stuff, and I said, hey, if I wanted a deck here instead of the stupid awning, how much would that be? And they worked the numbers, and they said, coincidentally enough, exactly the same price. So I, uh, as far as the insurance company is concerned, that is a a wooden <laughs> a wooden awning that you have to be very very short to get underneath. <laughs> okay. So, anyways, yeah, uh, we have this deck, and I we had this big hot tub. It was like for four people. It was a nice hot tub, but it was kind of old and. We just didn't use it to the extent that we thought we would. Um, I had converted it up to 220. So for those in the United States, understands it used to run on 110 when I first bought it, uh, a 110 electrical outlet. The problem with that is as soon as you turned on the jets, well, you couldn't have the jets and the heater at the same time. So the water would get cold pretty damn quick because the only time you want to use a hot tub is in the wintertime. And so I converted it to 20 so you can have it just blazing hot and the jets going at the same time worked great. So we just stopped using the damn thing. I had bought a new cover for it, which was like 200 bucks. And I was like, it's, it's kind of a drain, you know, it, it just, yeah. we're not using it. I'd rather have the deck space back, but how do you sell a hot tub? Well, I posted it up on Craigslist. I don't remember how much I asked for it. I think like four or 500 bucks. And with a and in the ad I put you have to pick it up, you have to have a truck or a trailer, and you have to bring the people to help you move it. Because well, let's be, yeah. I'm not going to help them move it. I'm lazy. I I moved it back there, and it was just two people, and it was a nightmare. Yeah. And uh, within an hour, I had someone at my house with three guys, a big trailer, and cash in hand. And I was like, holy crap, Excellent. this Craigslist thing works. So anytime we have an opening, I post it on Craigslist. Yeah. 
Now, the neat thing about that is all these job search engines pick up your ad. So you don't have to put your ad on all of them. You just have to put them on one of them and all the other ones will aggregate that information for you. Um, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And so I just put it up on Craigslist, cost me 25 bucks and boom, done. We have an ad. And when you put an ad like that up there, David, you could be very specific on the type of person you're looking for, but you're going to get a lot of crap applying to it. Just people that's, you know, Oh, I'm a huge Mac guy. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's kind of like kind of like selling a house. I remember last time I sold a house, put it up for a price, and and then you know I had about fifteen people come and view it, and it was clear as soon as he walks in the door that they didn't have the money to pay what I was looking for. Right, and they would walk around going, "Wow, this place is great," and everything. If only it was fifty thousand pounds cheaper. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you're like, "Why are you here? Might as well be cosmic." It costs you a million pounds, you know, because if I went around a million pound house, I think that was fantastic. That doesn't mean I can buy it. That's right. So, so yeah, you get a lot of, you know, the stuff that's out in the public, you get a lot of chances. Um, and, uh, you know, people who, and, and I don't want to put anyone down, you know, people who, who generally think they might be up for the job, but just really aren't, haven't really read properly what you're looking for. Right. And don't understand it. But I, I would have thought people listening to this will kind of have an, have an idea of what sort of person you'd be looking for for my. Well, look, you know, this podcast is heard worldwide. And I don't expect that we have a thousand people in Chicago area listening to this show. You still there, David? I'm still here, yeah. Okay. I, I don't expect a thousand listeners are in the Chicago oh, but, land area. But there will be people who know. There'll be people who know people in Chicago. That's right. Pass the word along. You know? This is it's going to be like managing an Apple store, That's except right. better. And why I say better <laughs> is that don't well, have to work for Apple. Well, you don't have to work for Apple, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing working for Apple, but we're no, independently no, but they owned. Have a, they have a repu- yeah, they have a reputation mm-hmm. as being, particularly the retail end, as being somewhat corporate. Um, you know, and let's be honest. Anybody listening to this know. show, Apple doesn't want to hire you. You listen to this show. There must be something oh, wrong yeah. with you. <laughs> It's on the. It's right on. It's in the questionnaire when they, you come in for your first interview at Apple. Okay. Uh, do you have you ever listened to Tech Fan? Oh, the podcast. Thank you for coming in. It's nice to meet. They don't even say. They don't even confirm yeah. if you know it's a. You're out. You're done. So yeah, that's right. We we don't we did we don't even drop our names at the Genius Bar because that's a a, a route to bad service. That's right. Oh God, what are you doing here? <laughs> Um, but you know, it, it's one of those things, David, that you could be in the Apple universe and still be independent. And we do everything that Apple does except for the iPhone, but we'll do more. If you take an old computer, David, that's out of warranty into Apple for it to be repaired. If you're one near a Mac specialist in Chicago, they'll actually refer you to us. Right. Um, and that's, uh, we've got a great relationship with Apple. Um, I obviously, that's why I don't talk about Apple. I don't give a critique of the company on this podcast because I have a professional working relationship, and I think that would be disingenuous on my part. Um, yeah. But we do have a fairly popular tech podcast here, and I know a lot of Mac users uh, listen to the show, and if one of them is looking for a new career and they're in the Chicagoland area, this could be a great opportunity. So I just want to kick yeah. it out there. Too bad you don't live in the area, David. I hire you. <laughs> you know what? I thought that as soon as you said. <laughs> I did. Um, well, you know, I could pla- pack the consultancy in, and but it's a, it's a bit of a commute for me. A little bit. A little bit. I'll let you come in four days a week instead of f- f- five, you know. Just give me an extra day <laughs> off. I mean, you are coming from the UK. It's, what, 5,000 miles? Yeah, it's, it's what, a nine-hour flight, something yeah. like that. So yeah. I, uh, We're not picking up the travel. Just to fly back and forth. And, of course, the, the Concorde's not in service anymore, so that's going to add to the to the time. But that's yeah. a subject I'd like yeah, but, to talk about as a tech show. What about the Concorde? I mean, here's a, here's a plane that can make a transatlantic flight in, what, two and a half, three hours? Something like that. Yeah, I mean, it was... It was unbelievable. It would go so high and so fast that you can get from London to New York within a matter of hours instead of, you know, well, what? how long does that usually take? 
probably eight hours. Well, it's, it's, it's an eight-hour flight normally, yeah. Um, so uh, the transatlantics, yeah, I think it was about three and a half hours. I know that um, I remember back in the eighties during during Live Aid. Oh my God, I knew you were going to say Phil- that. Talk about Phil <laughs> Collins, yes. Phil Collins, yeah, he he did the London show. It's kind of a douchey gone- thing, though. Well, it was kind it's, of it's like, like, showing yeah. up, yeah. And then anyway, they had they, they had the cameras. Yeah, they had the cameras showing Phil Collins who got off the stage of Wembley. Went to uh, what airport was it? Was it a? Uh... It would have been London Heathrow. That's okay, so it, he he went to Heathrow. From, yeah, they showed him getting on the Concorde, and then they showed him three hours or so later landing in New York and getting off the Concorde, flying or getting to the stadium. I think it was at Shea Stadium. Yeah, well, yeah it, was, it was Philadelphia. I think, yeah, Philadelphia. Um, correct. Yes, that's right. Yeah, and. Uh, Getting there and getting on stage and playing Live Aid in the U.S. too. Yeah. And and his appearances were like four and a half hours apart, which was crazy. Which it was it was it was insane. But that was when Phil Collins was still cool, and wasn't doing <laughs> Disney movie soundtracks all the time. That's that's right. Yeah. But uh, remember when no, the, I mean, the, the there, prob- there was a time in this world when Phil Collins was actually cool, David. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, his early stuff was cool. Yeah, in the, the Genesis X-Men stuff was great. Yeah, uh, you know the, the the stuff he did. You know, when he was doing the Miami Vice and everything was was very cool. Yeah. But, uh, Once he hit the studio, it, uh, it was it was downhill from there. Yeah, yeah. But why don't we have a? Why haven't they come up with the replacement for the Concorde? Well, the the you know what. Um, British Airways, the Concorde never made any money. It cost, a, it was a joint, it was actually a joint development between the British and the French. Um, and by the time um, they'd actually developed and got it to service, it was so expensive and the project was so late that hardly anybody bought them. And really, only um, the British and the French airline kept them going because they were kind of already in the hole for them. Um, and they just couldn't make money on them, the, the, particularly as the price of air travel dropped and dropped and dropped during the 80s. The, the difficulty is because it had to fly such a long way because it was designed for the transatlantic route, it could only hold about 100 people. To, to, to be able to travel um, that But that far, was then. That that was, they, de- they, they developed that in the 70s. Uh, well, earlier than that, I think it was designed in the 60s. 60s, okay. Um, we're in 2012 but, uh, now. You would think that somebody yeah, but, could come up with a more cost-efficient fuel-to-weight ratio to make a transatlantic flight even better but, uh, than the Concorde. But I think the difficulty is is that is that the way the scheduling is, people people don't care about being there quick. They just want to be there cheaply. That's so, the so do you think that the uh, internet has kind of? Stuff like GoToMeeting and Skype and AIM and messages and the prolifer- yeah, proliferation even, of FaceTime even, and even, cell phones, that's kind of out, even, that's killed it. Even less than that. Even, I mean, I did a call this morning with a guy, Mauritius, okay? And that's in the Indian Ocean. So that's literally halfway around the planet from here. Now, back in the, in the, the late 70s, early 80s, a call like that would have cost a fortune. Yeah. You would have been looking at the clock the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. Now it's, now it's cheap. Now it's cheap enough that we don't even think about it. So this is part of the reason. It's not. It's not even just the more technical stuff like Skype and go to meeting and all of that. It's the fact that the price of telephony has dropped so much that people don't need to travel as much. Plus, you have email now, so you can send documents back and forth. The need to actually go anywhere on business is much lower than it used to be. And and that means that the, the time pressures and demands that Concorde used to support are much lower than they used to be as well. The other problem we have with um, with Concorde was that it will get you to New York very cheap and very, uh, sorry very quickly. But then, you know, unless you were working with somebody in New York, that didn't really help you. That's true. I didn't think you know, of that. You're right. Yeah. You would then had to what if you if you what if suppose you go to Washington for instance. How far is it from Washington to New York via train? Yeah, that's a distance. Uh, how long does that take? It's it's another two three hours. So you're kind of eating up a lot of the advantage. But and and then we have the same problem that's sent to get across London. If I were to if I wanted to fly from, um, hey David, we have to take a London quick Heathrow. break. Um, let's okay. discuss this in a second. We got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Siri, can you help me find a good podcast? 
Why do you want to find a good baseball bat? Podcast, you. Well, I like to listen to Pocket Size Podcast. It's a great short podcast about all things iOS and iPhone, iPad, iPod Touch, and Apple TV, and it's got a great co-host. You mean Peter? No, me. <sighs> Could you just find me a good book instead? Why do you want to become a crook instead? I thought it was men that weren't supposed to be able to understand women. Now searching for men who don't understand women. Oh, there are about 3.5 billion of them on Earth right now. I can find support groups for you. Now searching for support groups for men who don't understand women. Look, there's 12 near you. One of them even is. Whether you're a man or a woman, you'll find pocket-sized podcast to be a great resource for all things about Apple's iOS devices iPhone, iPad, iPod Touch, and Apple TV. We feature reviews, interviews, and great coverage of all kinds of software and hardware devices. And the best part about it is, we don't talk about beta software, if you know who I mean. Ouch, that hurts. After all, we've been through together. Find us at pocketsizepodcast.com or search iTunes for Pocket Size Podcast. Hi, I'm Tim Robertson from the Tech Fan Podcast. And I'm David Cohn from the Tech Fan Podcast. David, we've got something brand new. It's called the Stoplight Network, and we're hoping other podcasters will be interested in this. Absolutely. This is a real community of podcasts. It's a way to get together with people who are passionate about podcasting, share tips, understand what it's like to really deliver a show on a regular basis, and share your passion with everyone else. And the nice thing about the Stoplight Network, David, is the, st- the podcasters out there will own their own content... You don't have to sign any kind of agreement. If any ads come in, you share a fair percentage of the revenue, and you promote the other podcasts in the network, including the fact that they will also promote your show. Absolutely. And topics can be about anything you want. It doesn't have to be about technology. That's what floats our boat. But if you want to talk about crochet knitting in the 13th century, then go for it. The Stoplight Network. We're looking for existing podcasts. And you, the person who's never podcasted before, but was just waiting for the chance. Check us out online at www.stoplightnetwork.com. Hi everyone, it's Guy from the MyMac.com podcast, and I'm here to tell you about the show. I wish Gaz was here, but apparently he's too busy, so... Hey, hold on a minute, I'm right here. What are you going on about? Well, I was about to cut a promo, but you always seem busy doing other things. Okay, now you've cheesed me off, so I'm turning you into a chipmunk. (laughs) Sure, like you have the power to do that. Whoa, what did you just do to me? Like I said, I turned you into a chipmunk. Now be quiet while I do the promo. Why do I have a sudden craving for lettuce? The MyMac.com podcast is a fun look at all the goings-on in the Mac world. We involve the listeners in a show to talk about what's important to them and interview people who do amazing things with their Macs and iOS devices. A carrot might be nice. You can contact us via Facebook, Twitter, Skype, as well as email. I have an urge to climb trees really fast. Shh! Find us in iTunes by searching under my Mac. You'll find us and a lot of other great shows all under the Stoplight Network. Hey, I can scratch behind my ears with my foot. If you promise to be good, I'll change you back. I don't know. I'm kind of digging the fur. The MyMac.com podcast. Done by a Brit and apparently now a chipmunk. And we're back, David and Tim. We're talking about the Concord and the lack of a need, more than anything else at this point, David, of a transatlantic supersonic flight. The need isn't there anymore, for the most part. I think all the yeah, all the engineering effort. Uh, if you look at the, uh, have you seen this new Airbus plane, the double decker one? The yes, A380? I have. Man, that thing is huge. So that it's it's an amazing piece of engineering, though. Um, And obviously all the engineering effort has now gone into building larger, more efficient, fuel-efficient planes that can carry more people rather than planes that can go faster. It's kind of of sad in a way. And Cockle was an amazing engineering achievement. It was. Nobody nobody ever thought it could be done. And some of the stuff you read about it, for instance, um, the reason it was mostly white 
you, you know, most planes nowadays have lots of paint and color and all that sort of thing on. Sure. Everything. Whereas Concorde was always pretty much white and it just had the tail. The reason for that is the paint that part of the superstructure of the plane. It was required to stop it overheating at supersonic speeds. It was a special titanium paint, so they couldn't just put any old paint on it. Um, and it so, would literally uh, peel off. It was so fast. It, well, it it just basically will cause the, cause the plane a problem. And um, they have a they have one of the Concords here in Manchester at the airport in a museum. And when you go on it, I mean, it's amazing how small it is. It's so tiny in there. And you go into the cockpit. It's like a jet fighter. It, yeah, and the, you, but the thing is, you go in the cockpit and the cockpit's even smaller than the, the main cabin and it looks really really old school to modernize because it's just all dials and because right. and, it was designed in the 60s but behind the um the engineering panel there's a gap and when you go when you go onto this plane you see that the, there's a hat in the gap like a you know the kind of pilot's cap that they wear mm-hmm. and it's tradition to keep it was apparently tradition to keep one hat always in this space and the reason for that was on the test flights they found that um that but that basically as the as the plane expanded as it went supersonic the whole plane would grow but from heat expansion in the metal by about um by about 8 inches and you could put the hat into this gap and then what happens is when it lands, the plane shrinks back again and the hat gets stuck. <coughs> so it's tradition to always have this hat there. <laughs> That's funny. And then you think about that and you think about the forces involved in a plane regularly growing and shrinking by eight inches and it just kind of blows you away. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, it was, it was an incredible thing. But, uh, you know, it never made any money. The, the flights, they, 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 they cost kind of first-class prices for standard-class travel. Um, and so when, when they had the crash uh, and the plane had to be re-engineered for the crash because because uh, of that problem yeah, with the, pretty the much killed fuel it. tanks and everything, that kind of pretty, mu- pretty much killed it off. And uh, at the time, British Airways was really struggling as well, so mm-hmm. um, financially. so uh, And also they couldn't – they weren't allowed to go supersonic over land because of the sonic boom, right. um, which – which kind of restricted what they could do with it uh, against what it was designed to do um, as well. So, uh, yeah, it, you know, it was always a, it was a unique engineering thing, but it, it was never really commercially viable. And now, of course, the big push in aviation is spacecraft for civilians. So you can literally, I, I know what David Griffin's, is it David Griffin? Is that his name? Why am I drawing a blank on his name? Virgin. Oh, Richard Branson. Richard, Richard Branson. Jeez. Wow. Just, I what just had a, a complete. I was thinking David Griffin. Who the hell's that? Yeah. No, I just had a. His big push yeah, okay. is to have a hotel in space in low Earth orbit or high Earth orbit, I guess you'd say, and have basically tourists. You would board an aircraft. You'd go up and dock with a space station. You would have your hotel. You'd stay for a day or two. Then you get back on the plane and come back home. And initially, I think the price is a million bucks, but that will go down as it becomes more viable and more companies enter that market. What do you think of that? Do you think that's something that, do you think there's a desire out there? I think there's a huge desire, not in a million bucks, but if it's $20,000, it's still cost prohibitive for most people, but there are enough people at $20,000 they could save up some some money, cash in some stocks, whatever, and take a a week vacation where you fly up into space, you stay in a you're weightless, you're in a hotel room, you're treated like a rock star. Uh you get a couple days and then you come home. I mean I I think most people out there would love to experience weightlessness. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know that there's quite a, there's quite a lot of commercialization of these vomit comet flights now, where you can go up and try yeah, that. Yeah, I don't want to do um, that. No, it's well, it's not the same as, as actually going into orbit, is it? Right. I, I, I guess what it's going to come down to is how safe it can be made, what the um, what the accommodation actually is like. I mean, if you see pictures of the International Space Station, it's hardly luxury. Well, that um, though was built on of, government budget. If you're talking about uh, someone like Bill Gates getting involved in it that could sink 
a lot of money. Um, yeah. I think that would make a big difference. Well, I, I mean, certainly it, it, it will definitely happen. Mm-hmm. Well, there's no there's no argument about that. Um, but, I mean, for me personally, I, what I'd like to see is, is them use that sort of technology to allow us to get to dip more distant places more quickly. Um, and yeah, not, but you got to take baby just, steps. You got yeah, to you got to get but, you got to get the people of Earth thinking that space travel isn't reserved for you know the Chuck Yeagers of the world. That it's mm. it's the kind of thing that you can do, and I think that's going to be an important first step. Yeah. Just the fact that you can you can go to space. Yes, it's expensive, but you can do it. You know, that rich uncle dies and leaves you $200,000. Why not spend $20,000 to go to space once? By the time that happens, David, you and I will probably be too old to enjoy it. But I want to go. I want to go. I'll be one the way, first to say I One I'd way or the other, Tim, that we've always got the, however old we are, we've always got the Scotty route, which is, you know, get the ashes sent up there. Yeah, well, <laughs> that ain't going to help me any. I don't know. But, uh, I would. I, I, I would go. Would you? I'll go? tell you what. What? I, 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 of course, I would. Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd definitely be up for that. But then I'm crazy. I'll do anything. Um, I, I, ha- I actually have a hankering <laughs> crazy to do this. Um, for anything. <laughs> <laughs> I am. When I, I tell you when, when I was in Las Vegas, they have um, this thing off this uh, hotel tower there where you can. Oh, you did not go on that roller coaster at the top of the hotel. No, oh, no, the roller coaster is gone now. Oh, is They've, it? Uh, they took took that away but on that same tower they now have a they have a number of rides up there on the sky tower i think it's called but they have this thing where basically you jump off the tower on a cable and then it slows you down just before you you touch ground so you don't die and uh, <laughs> I, and i was gonna and, and you wear a and you yeah and you wear a camera and all that and i was definitely up to do that until i found out how much it cost um you know it was it i it's like a hundred hundred seventy five dollars to jump off it? No, <laughs> you know it can't be that expensive when you're you're not even paying for the elevator to ride back down again. Wow. Um. So, but but yeah, I was certainly up for doing it. I thought that would be a great experience. So I, I'd love to do something like that. But uh, I've done something similar hang- to that. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It's not bungee. It's this. Uh, I don't know how to describe it. It's these two towers, and there's. Um, the steel cable on one tower, you get into this harness and you basically lay on your stomach and they hook you up. And then this wench pulls you up to the other tower. And when you get up there, it's like, I don't know, 200 feet or so you pull the thing and you fall until the cable catches you and you swing out and back a few times. And, uh, you know, it's not as high as a a, a traditional bungee jump, but I tell you what, um, that was quite scary. I'll never do it again. I did it twice that day. <laughs> and here's the thing. When when you, they're hoisting you up, your harness is really tight because, you know, you're it's pulling yeah. against gravity. But as soon as the thing is pulled and you start falling, your harness loosens up a little bit. And you feel like you fell out of the goddamn thing. And yeah. you're just falling. Oh, I didn't like it a bit. Didn't like it at all. And I did it twice. And that was it. <laughs> I, I talking of space, I do have a hankering to do the thing with the uh iPhone camera and the uh weather balloon. Have you seen that? Yeah, I've so I've, go ahead and explain it though. Well, so that the uh, weather balloons aren't expensive, they're about probably about a hundred dollars, something like that. And um you can effectively you can get one, hang a camera from the bottom of it and then send it off and, and a weather balloon will go up about eighty, ninety thousand feet, which is pretty much the edge of the atmosphere before it bursts. And then it drops the camera back down to Earth again in a parachute. Uh and you you have a GPS tracker on it and then you go pick it up and then you see what you filmed. And if you ever wanted to kind of send your own stuff up into space, it's a very cheap way of doing it. Well it's about the closest you're gonna get. For a hundred dollars. I'd be too scared that I'm gonna it. lose my iPhone. Well, you send it, send an old one. Send an old <laughs> or, one, uh, you know, or get one of these cheap SD cameras or something like that. But, you know, but you gotta have GPS in it though. Otherwise, you're never gonna find it. That's true. I mean, because it's not gonna go straight up. 
No, it's not. It's going to get you know. It's, it's probably going to be a good probably, probably fifteen go, twenty miles good. away. <laughs> yeah, you, you're going to have to you're going to have to go and track it down. Yeah, mine would That's end up in in, but, in a lake. There's no question. I, mine would be in a lake when I'm done. Be completely uh, ruined. The trick is trick is to do, do it somewhere where there are no lakes. You ever see those videos that they have online? People strap a little camera to those homemade rockets and launch them. Yeah, those are pretty cool. Yeah. I like watching those. Just the how, f- and they some of them go up high enough where you start seeing the uh, the curvature of the Earth, which isn't that yeah. big of a deal nowadays. You 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 get in a plane, you're going to see that, but still, it's it's kind of neat that you can do that and see it, and it's your own. You know, that's neat. I like that. Absolutely, yeah. I've always kind of wanted to do that, but I've never really been into rockets and stuff i had a friend when i was growing up that was really big into rockets and i lived right next to this big park um uh-huh. and he used to 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 launch rockets all the time over there the closest i ever came my head you remember those airplanes that were on strings they had a real yeah. little gas were- engine and, and you'd just sit there and spin around in a circle as the plane would fly I always thought those looked very dangerous. Oh, they were very dangerous. I mean, those the little <laughs> two-stroke engine, they were loud. Yeah, uh, you get your right. fingers and near those blades, and you're going to lose a digit. Yeah, and then when the thing's flying, if you don't keep up with it, then you're going to end up <laughs> tangled in string. Yeah. Or, around your neck and you had to be careful landing them. Pulling on it. <laughs> right. And you had to be, and it, and it pulled, too. My yeah. dad, we, I never had money growing up. My, my parents never had money. Um, I think they were allergic to money, to be honest. So they tried to stay as far away from money as they possibly can get. <laughs> and so I never had, you know, the things that I always wanted. Um, they knew, they, they instilled on me that there's things that kids want, but only the rich kids are going to get these things here. Yeah, and I was always—I don't want to say jealous, but I was always a little resentful, and so maybe that's why I kind of overcompensate with my kids. I'm like, oh hell yeah, we'll get that. Um, well, within reason, you know. I'm not buying them their own little whatever. Spacecraft. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's. <laughs> um, You're not going to buy my weather balloon and iPhone for God's sake, right? Well, I remember going to the store with my parents, and I would see like a Star Wars figure, and back then they were like two fifty, right? And I, oh, can I get this? Oh no, that's two dollars and fifty cents, honey. We we can't afford that right now. You're gonna have to save up your allowance. And uh, yeah, it kind of made me want it more. But I always thought it's two dollars and fifty cents. I was a good kid, you know. I was a good boy. Why can't I get this? And th- and it, that's the way it always was. And so after a certain point, you stop asking because you just you already know what the answer is going to be. They're going to tell you no, you yeah. can't get it. Um, and two fifty is not going to break anyone. Even at eight, I knew that it wasn't going to break anybody. You know, it's like it's two dollars and fifty cents. Come on, um, you know, or or a new forty five single ninety nine cents. Oh no, yeah, we can't we can't afford that right now. Really? Okay. Um, so I've kind of always been in the if I'm at the store and the kids have been good and they see something they want, and it's not you know expensive. It's just a little five dollar toy yeah go ahead and get it no i'm not saying i do that every time but i do it enough where it's not a big surprise if i buy him something um yeah a a prime example mace windu you know the little star wars guy yeah my son lost his little star wars mace windu guy and he's about the size of my pinky it's the yeah he gets star wars figures but they're small and they have like giant ronald mcdonald feet on them um, Galactic Heroes is what they're called. And he's got a bunch of them. He loves them. But he lost his Mace Windu. And it's been driving him nuts for like two months. Just crazy. Because he can't find it. He can't find Mace Windu. And it's not that he likes Mace Windu any better than the others, but he couldn't find it. And his little, he calls them his little men. He loves yeah. his little men. And this was one he couldn't. I looked through all the toy boxes. We've moved the couch and the chair, and I've looked in the cars under the seats, and this damn thing is just nowhere to be found, right? I'll I find it Anakin, eventually. I th- yeah, I think Anakin killed him. <laughs> chopped his arm off and threw him out the window. So I was uh, looking for something else on eBay uh, Monday, 
And I thought about his Mace Windu, and I found one on Mace. On uh, I found this character, this little Star Wars guy on eBay. It was like two dollars and a dollar shipping, something like that. It was nothing, so I just bought it, right? And it showed up yesterday. And so when I got home last night from work, I saw the box, and Julie said, "You know what's in the box?" And I told her, and she says, "Don't give it to him tonight. He'll never get to sleep." So of course I waited to this morning, and I. Hey, hey, Cole, open this up. See what's in there for me. And it's just a little box, and it's got a bunch of bubble wrap in it. But just his face when he finally got to Mace Windu. Yeah. And that's all he's been talking about all day. And uh, we were getting ready to take Brooke to school, and he said, Brookie, if I find my older Mace Windu, you can have him. I thought, what a good kid. That's very, yeah. that's, that's really cool. Um, so I never got stuff like that when I was little. My parents never surprised me. Though there was a couple times, there was this kid that lived down the street. He was an older guy. You know, I was seven, and he was probably yeah. twelve. But that's an older guy as far as a seven-year-old's concerned. And he had these die-cast tanks from World War Two. Well, they were, mm-hmm. I should—they weren't from World War Two. They were World War Two tanks. And they're about the size of your hand, and the turret, and the tops would articulate. And he had German Panzers and um, the British tanks and some Shermans, and they were just so badass. And he had like eight of them. And I said, "How much are they?" Yeah. And he said, twenty dollars for all of them." I said, "How much for just one?" He says, "I'm selling them only together." And I remember running home, a block a half away. And I told my mom I was out of breath. I was so excited about these tanks. I run them really bad. And she said, how much? Yeah. And I said, 20 And $20 was just unheard of. It was I mean, that, that, it still is today. Yeah. I mean, 20 bucks is 20 bucks, you know? And I just knew yeah. there was absolutely no way they were going to get it for me. And f- I, they must have seen my excitement with a resignation in my eyes that there's no way that I'm going to get it. It's just too much. But they actually gave me $20 and I bought them. And that was such a seminal moment for me at that time. Yeah. You know? So I try not to deny my kids too much without spoiling them. And there is a fine line there. I don't want to spoil yeah, them. I don't want them to think they're entitled to something. And there is something about having a kid save up money and getting something again, appreciating the, the value of doing that and the patience of waiting. Right. And in this case of Cole and Mace Windu, he's been looking for two months and he hasn't yeah. given up. And it's always at the forefront of his thoughts. And I thought, why not just buy him a new one? You know, why keep yeah. torturing this poor kid looking for this one character that he wants so bad? So I just, and, and really, what's three bucks, four bucks? It's nothing. Yeah. You know, I spent more f- than that for the pack of cigarettes that I'm going through right now. So, yep. Uh, getting back to the rockets and the airplanes, my dad comes home from work one day and he has a World War II um, British Spitfire. You, you know the one I'm talking about? <laughs> not not right. Spitfire. Don't, uh, don't, don't, don't ever ask a Brit- British person if they know what a Spitfire <laughs> And I'll be honest, the Spitfire right. is I one of... I would be sitting here talking to you now. I'd be talking to you, yeah, <laughs> be... talk to you in German if it wasn't like... <laughs> now, you know, yeah, I know Americans always is. talk about the Mustang and stuff. But I have to say the Spitfire what? is one of the, the most elegant and at the same time aggressive looking piece of machinery ever built. It's just amazing. It was, it was the... It was kind of like the Apple design of fighter planes in that not only was it very, very good at what it did and very well well made and built and all that sort of thing, the thing is beautiful to look at. It's it's a piece, it's of, a piece of art. Art. It really is. I I love the Spitfire. So my dad brings this Spitfire home and it's about a, um a, a half a foot long. Maybe a little oh, bit right. bigger. Okay. And yeah, oh, oh Spitfire! Holy crap! Pull up to the driveway and a real Spitfire. <laughs> Look what I got for you! <laughs> holy crap! Couldn't get the live ammo, but you know. <laughs> yeah. And and it was one of those little planes that you flew around with a string. And uh, he said somebody 
owed him money or something. I knew he didn't pay for it. But however he got it, it, it cost him in other ways. I don't know how, but you know, maybe he helped somebody do something, move, or I don't know, whatever. But this was how this guy repaid my dad. He gave him the Spitfire, and he brought it home and presented it to me. But he didn't have the string, so he had stopped at like a Kmart or something and bought kite string for it. Well, the string that you used on these things needed to be a little stronger than a kite string. I mean, this is a, a powerful little two-stroke gas motor. Yeah, I remember losing real kites to kite string right. over the years. Right, where, where the, you know you got it, you got that thing up high enough in the in the big winds, and the kite string just wasn't up to it. So I get out there into the park, and I don't realize that the kite string is not what we're going, which you're supposed to be using. And my dad's out there, and we put, you know, there was this little plastic bottle that had like a little top. Uh, Kind of like a reverse funnel, if you will. And it had a little red stopper on the end, and you'd pour the gas right into the gasoline, and it would fly for maybe 10 minutes before that amount of fuel would be spent. Maybe 15 minutes. Wasn't long, though. So we get this thing going, and it's and it starts right up. And I'm like, holy crap. And I'm in the middle of the park. There's no trees near me. And I start spinning around in a circle. And my dad says, just spin your arm in a circle. Don't keep going around in a circle yourself because you're going to get dizzy and fall over. So I'm doing the half with my arm, half slowly spinning in a circle so I don't get dizzy. And I could feel the weight of the plane tugging at me. And it was just great. And the string broke and the plane just kept going. (laughs) I I was aiming it up. Not drastically, maybe a 30-degree angle when that string broke. And the plane didn't miss a beat and just went, this is what I heard. (laughs) There it goes. I was just devastated. We we jumped in my dad's car, 1970 Oldsmobile, racing through the neighborhood and stopping every few feet to stick our heads out the window to see if we can hear the damn thing. And it was just gone. I I knew that damn thing just kept going in a circle or kept going in a straight line. Can you imagine though? You're sat there in the yard. (laughs) Nice picture of lemonade in front of you. All of a sudden a World War II Spitfire falls out of the sky. Oh God. It was, I was so heartbroken. So heartbroken. I think my dad even uh, went so far as to put an ad in the newspaper. You know, a classified, lost, British Spitfire. <laughs> Last scene, somewhere over Dumbledore. Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was that was such a big deal, and I had it for all of five minutes, man. <laughs> I always wanted to get another one, but they were expensive. I mean, they were like $150 in the 70s. I mean, that was a lot. There was no way I knew they were ever going to get me another one. And I just remember the sinking feeling of, because I had just pulled a little bit, so it started going upward. Because you kind of, as you're going around in circles, it's going up and down, right? And it just started going upward and snap. Had I been going downward... It would have just, you know, impaled itself into the ground. I'd still have it. But that string broke right at the worst time, and it it just kept going. I mean, it at the speed it was traveling, with the amount of fuel it had, looking back, I bet it went a good 10, 15 miles <laughs> before it came down. <laughs> I was so... It's, I'm still a little upset about it, to be honest. It's, yeah, it's, I can tell. It's still one of those things I look back and I go, man, man. And you know what I've never done, though, because I know it would be too painful. I've never gone on, like, eBay or look for, I don't know what, I don't, what do you call those things? Uh, I mean, I know it's, I, I knew it was a Spitfire. They, 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 were called, they were called wire control planes, weren't they? Could be. But I've, I've never I'm, gone I'm and looked sure. because. They see, see, those, those sort of things, we, we never had those sorts of toys here in the U.K., um, people had radio control planes, but nobody ever really had wire control. They weren't. There's a, there's a whole like. I mean, model rockets another thing. We never, didn't really have them over here. 
they were, you know, so me as a kid going to the States every summer, like I did when I was growing up from the age of nine, it was like, you know, I found this whole universe of toys that you just couldn't get at home, you know. And um, I had a friend who had model rockets, and I always thought they were much more disappointing in real life than they looked in the toy store. Yeah. Because in the toy store, you know, you see these big rockets and they have the artwork and everything, and you think it's going to go up kind of like a, a Saturn V did, which was slowly with loads of fire coming out the bottom, you know, and a huge amount of noise. And, uh, you know, it'd be kind of majestically rise up into the sky. Of course, they're not really like that. You press the launcher button and then you go, and they got like a firework and they kind of gone before you even see them. So there are, I always found them a lot more disappointing in real life than, than they looked in the store. I, I just did a Google search, as you could tell by me typing on my uh, Model M IBM keyboard for string controlled 1970s Spitfire. And uh, I mean, I'm, it, I found a lot of Spitfires. They show me a lot of zeros too, which is kind of insulting. Um, but nothing. I don't see it. I don't see it at all. Um, but in a in a way, I kind of hope I don't because well, I'm going to be. Now, I'm going to want to buy one. Well, now I know what to get you as a retirement present when you finally <laughs> give up the podcasting. That's right. Give me something else to do on a, on a Friday. Um, yeah, just a disappointment from my youth, David. So we obviously had no idea we were going to be talking about aircraft most of the the, the show today. No. Um, but, you know, it's kind of a, not a whole lot going on in the tech world right now. Um, next week, obviously, we're going to have a lot to talk about, and hopefully we can get together and record a show. If not, one of us will do a solo show next weekend and release it on Sunday. So uh, yeah. either look for... Even if we can get together, it's still going to take me a, a time to get home and get it edited. So uh, probably come out a little bit later next week, a little bit later on either uh, Friday or look for it on Sunday. If if David and I can't get together, I'll record a quick uh, tech fan talking about the new iPad or whatever the heck it is. We just assume it's going to be an iPad because the picture that Apple sent out is clearly an iPad. So I'm, I'm going to assume that that's what it is. Um, I, I have to say... Every time something, something like this happens and you think, or well, you kind of, the, the madness in the blogosphere, you think you've seen it all, um, then Apple releases another one of these invitations and the way people parse them is just like, they, the craziest thing I heard was, oh, maybe the new iPad won't have a home button because there isn't one in the picture. I don't know. I, I think that it's got to be... Uh it's got to be an iPad, right? I mean, it's too early for an iPhone. I mean, I don't, I don't think it could be anything else. It would be surprising if it's anything else. I would think. But, uh, maybe it'll be something extra as well. Uh, a lot of people are talking about Apple TV. Yep. What do you think about I that? Don't, I don't. I don't see it myself. I don't know. They're they're getting pretty small on the channel. You're not seeing a whole lot of them out there. Uh, well, maybe a revision. I don't know. I, I just, I, I don't think. I could be wrong, but I, I don't. I, to me, you do one, one launch at a time. You don't bring in two big product. Yeah, I'd agree with you at there. At the same time, yeah, it just dilutes the message. Yeah, but you know, who knows? It's, it's. They are. Let's, let's be fair. They are doing under Tim Cook. They're doing things a little bit differently nowadays. So maybe the old rules no longer apply. Yeah, but I think that's just good business the way they did it before. You don't want to saturate oh, the market and take yeah. something away. No, I agree. I'm not. I'm not saying either way is right or wrong. But um, they're a little bit more. Uh, they're a little bit prepared to do different things nowadays than maybe they were a couple of years ago. Which, yeah, I think you're probably right. But regardless, we'll find out in a, a few short days. David, you still there, or did we lose you? Not so. So no, there was a, one of those slight lag things, and now it's yeah, let's catch up. So uh, with that, we're going to wrap up uh, Tech Fan number sixty-eight. Uh, it's good to get back with you and do this, David. It, it seemed like it was, I know, it was only three shows, but man, that seemed like a long time. It did, and you know what? I was I was pretty tweaked last week. I I recorded a a, a show with my son. Um, we we spent about uh, it was only a short segment, about fifteen minutes talking about. Video. 
young Ed and that sort of thing. Um, and he really enjoyed doing it. And he was good, you know. He's better than me. <laughs> he, he, he talked very, he talked very, very confidently about um, exactly what it was. And um, when I came to edit the uh, audio file, it lasted about three minutes and then it, it got corrupted I think I need to rebuild my MacBook Air because that's the second time that's happened now mm. um, but uh, so I was, I was a bit I was a bit disappointed but I couldn't include it in last week's show but I, I've, I've promised him I'm going to re-record it and, and we'll do it again so uh, I look forward to hearing it something we look forward to. that would yeah. be cool alright so we'll wrap up if you guys want to send us feedback it's feedback at mymac.com if you're a podcaster looking for uh, revenue that sort of thing uh, make sure you check out the stoplightnetwork.com website. Uh, some information for you up there that you may be interested in. If you're an ex-Spitfire pilot, we'd love to have you on the, on the show and talk about yeah. it. That would be cool, wouldn't it? And and if in the mid-70s you were sat in your garden <laughs> somewhere in West Michigan, the sky, give us a call. Do you still have it? I'll pay for it. I want it back. <laughs> <laughs> With that, we're gonna uh, we're gonna sign off and see you next week. Mm-hmm.